0: Dear friends, I have an announcement at the beginning of this presentation. The post office in our district has a temporary manager who doesn't care what the effects of his actions are, and he has returned about three days' worth of mail in mid December. He did this without telling us or even giving us suggestions for solutions, and this is after 18 years of receiving mail at this PO. About four inches thick of envelopes were affected, maybe more. So if you received return mail that was sent to our address, please know that we are still in business and that the post office was at fault for not delivering the mail. Also, the great enemy of truth is no doubt behind this as well. We have organized a solution. Please try to send the mail again. If you send the same check, we should be able to send you a receipt for 2022. Thank you for your support. You may call our office at 540-672-3553 if necessary. And thank you ever so much for your support and understanding. Welcome to Keep the Faith once again. We are now entering a new phase of the end times, a period of open deceptions that people see but don't recognize. They are patent lies, but people believe them as truth, and they affect their lives. What we have been experiencing in the past will intensify and become dominant. We have not seen, however, the pressure that will come upon God's people. But it surely will. Today, we are going to try and outline the the developments in the environmental structure of the end-time events. And I hope to encourage everyone to become like Enoch, holy, committed to Christ, and prayerful. For no one can protect you from globalism's control over conscience except Christ. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we take up this very serious topic, we pray that your Holy Spirit will impress our minds with a need to prepare for trouble. We are facing a new world order, and we can understand what was going on at the time of the Tower of Babel, which is a prophetic prototype for our times. So please be with us as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 10.10. 10. The Bible says that Nimrod wanted to be a world ruler. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. After the flood, which was a major change in the climate on earth, men began to multiply. They became fearful that it could happen again. Nimrod played on that fear. He was a builder of cities, wicked cities, that consolidated evil among those that lived there. And his agenda was to establish a monarchy that would encompass the whole world. Listen to this from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 118. God had directed men to disperse throughout the earth, to replenish and to subdue it. But these Babel builders determined to keep their community united in one body and to found a monarchy that would eventually embrace the whole earth. Thus their city would become the metropolis of a universal empire. Its glory would command the admiration and homage of the world and render the founders illustrious. The magnificent tower reaching to the heavens was intended to stand as a monument of the power and wisdom of its builders, perpetuating their fame to the latest generations. But this monarchy would expand from these four cities and other cities would be built. This is the way it is today. Relatively few people live in the country. Today, most people live in or right around a city. And the cities are wicked. Just as wicked today as they were in the time of Nimrod and of Noah and of Lot we see the monarchy that is being developed again. It is, in fact, a monarchy with a king on a throne that controls the world. But it also includes a loose, coordinated system made up of a cabal of billionaires, business leaders, and major global corporations, social media companies, public health officials, state rulers over countries and churches. The only one who sits on a throne, so to speak, is the Pope. And he makes it look like he is not the leader of this cabal. At least he works very hard to keep his fingerprints from the bad side of the cabal. But Pope Francis has been in the middle of the globalization, facilitating it and encouraging it. Just like the globalists are aiming for control of every man, woman, and child, the Pope and his church wants to establish a global religion that will be able to make laws in lands that were once free and that will control conscience. But the Pope aims to control political and economic globalization, too, because that affects conscience and freedom also. To support globalization through climate control, he published an encyclical called Laudato Si, which proclaimed the dangers of climate change and that humans are responsible for it through excessive use of fossil fuels. Many focused on the issue of a day of rest for the planet, But there is another aspect involved. Pope Francis' encyclical was designed to promote globalization, which would place him on the throne of the world. Since the publication of the encyclical, things have only gotten more interesting. The Pope has been very active in pushing his global church into position to be the climate puppet master. A major achievement for the Pope was the climate conference in Paris. At this conference, the major nations of the world, including the United States, signed an agreement that would place them all under obligation to meet certain objectives over the course of time. It was a major step toward papal dominance of the climate issue and control of the world. The Bible predicts that the Roman Catholic Church is headed for world dominion. It is apparent that she is using the climate change issue to achieve this goal. Rome is building a Tower of Babel all over again. Revelation 13.7 says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues, and nations. But the Bible says more than that. Revelation 13.8 says that the people will be so enamored with the papacy that they will all worship him. They will be so bewitched and his actions to save the planet that those that want to live in sins will worship him because he enables them. His global solutions don't involve giving up sin. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And this one-world religion should not be surprising to any of us. It will be established along with the final attempt at one-world government, and the two will potentiate each other. And since the Pope is the prime mover and the instigator of the climate movement, the development of a political climate agenda among world leaders is certainly welcomed by the Catholic Church and will be used to force everyone into compliance with the papal agenda. There will be two religions at the end of time the false religion built on the principles of the papacy and of Satan and the true faith made up of a small remnant that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. It's very hard for the people of the world to resist a political religion because it makes them feel as though they are in the right and have power. Might makes right, doesn't it? but it is a deception since it is not based on the word of God. The mark of the beast will be institutionalized into churches and faith groups and baked into politics. It will all be in harmony and it will seem like a great global revival and those who do not go along with it are out of step with God and his authority. In the end, only the remnant Described in the Bible, God's true people will know what the truth really is because they know and believe the Bible above everything else, even more than what their senses tell them. And they will be made to look like they are blasphemous and criminally obstinate. The world has been institutionalizing hatred and deception, baking it into any and every aspect of society. So why should we be surprised if the mark of the beast is institutionalized too? What does this new one-world religion consist of? Turn with me in your Bibles to First 1 Kings 16.31. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam and the, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Baal was a storm god. He was a nature god, and the Phoenicians worshipped him along with other nature gods. Jezebel was especially dedicated to Baal because she was the high priestess of Baal. She certainly created a major storm for God's people in those days. It was her agenda to force the compliance to the worship of Baal on all of Israel, and she had full contingent of enforcement forces that she used to coerce compliance and it was deadly to be uncompliant or a skeptic. This false worship led Israel into a climate emergency, a drought imposed by God through Elijah that forced Ahab into a confrontation. So the lesson is obvious. When the world worships the creature more than the Creator, it sets up a climate emergency that causes a confrontation. And this confrontation will be the last. And when people come to their senses, it will be too late for them to correct themselves and repent. We are seeing that now being developed in our world. God's people should be aware that climate issues will be a very big thing at the end of time. They should also be aware that they should not be involved in the political and religious aspects of it. Listen to this statement from Great Controversy, page 589. Satan works through the elements also to garner his harvest of unprepared souls. He has studied the secrets of the laboratories of nature, and he uses all his power to control the elements as far as God allows. It is God that shields his creatures and hedges them in from the power of this destroyer but the christian world have shown contempt for the law of jehovah and the lord will do just what he has declared that he would he will withdraw his blessings from the earth and remove his protecting care from those who are rebelling against his law and teaching and forcing others to do the same Satan has control of all whom God does not especially guard. He will favor and prosper some in order to further his own designs, and he will bring trouble upon others and lead men to believe that it is God who is afflicting them. Listen to Prophets and Kings, page 278. Storms, earthquakes, whirlwinds, fire, and the sword will spread desolation everywhere until men's hearts shall fail them for fear and for looking after those things which shall come upon the earth. Most of these events can be in one way or another related to climate change. So it is predictable that an emphasis on climate change will dominate the global agenda. Satan will use it to try to put God's people in a very tight spot. Instead of obedience to God by keeping the fourth commandment and the other nine commandments, humanity will try to change the way the climate develops. They will worship the climate along with the beast of Revelation 13. God's people should remember his promise that there will be seasons until the end of time. Let's look back at Genesis 8:21 and 22. Notice that while the earth remains, there will be seasons, planting time and harvest time. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing, as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. And particularly notice that he says that he will not smite every living thing, So climate stress will only affect some people. Floods, drought, even earthquakes will only be limited in scope. Though they will be huge by our standards, they will still be sprinkled with mercy. Listen to this from Great Controversy, page 621. These plagues are not universal, or the inhabitants of the earth would be wholly cut off. Yet they will be be the most awful scourges that have ever been known to mortals. All the judgments upon men prior to the close of probation have been mingled with mercy. The pleading blood of Christ has shielded the sinner from receiving the full measure of his guilt. But in the final judgment, wrath is poured out unmixed with mercy. Nevertheless, in spite of what the Bible says, And in harmony with the messaging of Pope Francis, world leaders gathered at Mount Sinai to put forward a prophetic interreligious call to action called the Ten Universal Principles for Climate Justice. This was part of the COP27 meeting, which is a United Nations meeting called the 27th Conference of the parties to the United Nations Framework for Convention on Climate Change, or the UNFCCC. It was held in a nearby resort. They held this UNFCCC event near Mount Sinai to symbolize the importance of protecting the environment. They intend to create the impression that these ten points are just as important as the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. According to the Interfaith Center, the location of Cope 27 is especially meaningful because the Sinai Desert is a place of revelation in the collective consciousness of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and others. It is a site for turning to God and receiving God's message. So the Ten Commandments are God's message to the human race, and they do not change. But these people organize this in the Sinai Desert because it is a place where people have received God's message before, as if this environment movement is from God. 40,000 attendees flocked to the Sinai Desert, this was a major event. It was held from November 6 to 18, 2022, and it is nature worship. Romans one twenty-five says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Why are they revising the Ten Commandments if they can? It was to create a transformative moment to protect the environment. They are going to put more emphasis on the creature rather than the creator. But there was a plan to gather at the site that is believed to be the site of Mount Sinai where God gave the Ten Commandments to call for climate repentance. The Egyptian government wouldn't let the large group meet there. So alternatively, there were events around the world in various places to promote climate repentance. A news report said, Jews, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, and Buddhists from Israel, Egypt, the U.S., India, Spain, and the U.K. planned to gather Sunday around the world to call on global leaders to act for climate repentance and to implement 10 climate principles. The events planned to take place in Jerusalem, London, the Egyptian resort of Sharm el-Sheikh, and other locations are timed to coincide with the United Nations COP27 Climate Conference currently being held in Egypt, which ends on November 18. Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew, who is known as the Green Patriarch due to his dedication to environmental issues, released a statement ahead of the event decrying the abuse of nature and the exploitation of its resources as a sin against God, the Creator, and the gift of Of creation. The ten principles for climate repentance cited by the organizers are 1. We are stewards of this world. 2. Creation manifests divinity. 3. Everything in life is interconnected. 4. Do no harm. 5. Look after tomorrow. 6. Rise above ego for our world. 7. Change our inner climate. 8. Repent and return. 9. Every action matters. 10. Use mind, open heart. These very vague and ill-defined principles set up a false nature worship. God's Ten Commandments are very clear and specific. Modern Jezebel, though, is promoting this. It's as if they are written not to offend anyone and accommodate everyone's religious sensitivities in the spirit of modern ecumenicalism. While that in itself is a problem, it is vague enough that it can be interpreted any way one wants to, especially whoever is in charge of this eco-babble. It gives them total flexibility to define any of these ten principles. But really, the essence of this is to become environmentally aware and to open your mind and heart to the enemy's worship of the creature rather than the creator. Listen to what Rabbi Nero said at the conference. We need to change the operating system that humanity generated and is degrading God's creation we need to switch from greed, short-term thinking, and individualistic behavior to spiritual satisfaction, long-term thinking, and altruism. By doing that, we will address the symptoms of the problem and manifest a, a new earth. May God help us. A new earth? They want to bring the kingdom of God about in their own way. Climate correction is the new kingdom of God on earth. They don't see Jesus coming in the clouds very soon to destroy this world and create a new one. In fact, this rabbi doesn't believe that Jesus was even the Son of God. So how can he be looking for the second coming? Listen to how the times of Israel it, An initiative to mobilize faith leaders around the world to push governments to do more about climate change kicked off Sunday morning with an Israeli environmental activist smashing mock tablets of stone atop an Egyptian peak believed by many to be Mount Sinai to symbolize the world's failure to protect the planet. These activists were angry. Not that the world has strayed from the Ten Commandments and disobeys God. They were angry that the world has failed to protect the planet. They're interested in the Ten Commandments only as a political tool. But God's Ten Commandments are far different from the Ten Environmental Principles. The thing is, if the 10 commandments were kept as they should be, the environment would be preserved. If everyone respected them as they should, especially the Sabbath, they would also be respectful of the environment. But more than that, God's protection would not be withdrawn gradually like it is today, but would prevent deterioration. COP27 is a modern-day repetition of the way things have gone in the past. History repeats itself. We see world leaders meeting in councils, large and small. The G7, the G20, the European Union, the BRICS, the North American Free Trade or NAFTA and CAFTA, which covers Central America, The UN, the WHO, the World Economic Forum, the Paris Meeting on Climate, and many more often meet for various reasons for particular agendas. Often Roman Catholic Church representatives are present, and correspondingly ecumenical meetings are designed to bring the Church and religions into unity around Rome's agenda. And they will fall in line with Rome's environmental agenda too. They are always trying to influence world leaders to adopt papal policies, including its climate policies. They have been influencing them on behalf of the common good policy, the ecumenical policy, the economic policies, and the political policies. COPE meetings have been held 27 times now, but Rome bides her time while working stealthily and consistently to effect her will. Also, Catholic leaders or representatives attend church meetings to observe the proceedings. They attend meetings of the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Baptists, etc. They even attend meetings of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and have been doing so for quite a number of sessions now. And a Seventh-day Adventist from the Religious Liberty Department of the General Conference organizes and manages one of these ecumenical meetings too. It should be no surprise that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is aligning itself with the papal agenda, too. The Catholic Church has been holding World Youth Days for a long time. The purpose, of course, is to align global youth, mainly Catholic youth, around the global agenda of the Pope. The Pope knows that this will have an influence on other youth of other faiths, these kids go to school together in public schools because tuition is free and their friends will eventually be influenced by the youth that have been to the world youth days. It's brilliant and far-sighted. Listen to this interesting statement from Great Controversy, page 53. The arch deceiver had not completed his work. He was resolved to gather the Christian world under his banner and to exercise his power through his vicegerent, the proud pontiff, who claimed to be the representative of Christ. Through half-converted pagans, ambitious prelates, and world-loving churchmen he accomplished his purpose. Vast councils were held from time to time, in which the dignitaries of the church were convened for from all the world in nearly every council the Sabbath which God had instituted was pressed down a little lower while the Sunday was correspondingly exalted. thus the pagan festival came finally to be honored as a divine institution while the Bible Sabbath was pronounced a relic of Judaism, and its observers were declared to be accursed. This is the way it was in the early days of the Middle Ages, and this same principle will be the way it is handled in the last days. Meetings and conferences, large and small, will be used to promote Sunday observance. While the Sabbath has already been diminished for centuries, Sunday has lost its traction with secularists, and few religious denominations that don't keep it because of what the Ten Commandments say. Sunday exaltation will become a central feature of many of these meetings. It already is behind the scenes. The papal climate agenda places the Pope in the middle of the global climate issue and elevates him in respect among the nations of the world, this is just where he wants to be, in a position to be the voice of the nations regarding worship and religion. Cardinal Pietro Perolin, the Vatican Secretary of State, attended COP27 and gave a speech. In that speech, he announced that the meeting was the first that the Vatican was a participant as a nation-state. Quote, This is the first UNFCCC session to which the Holy See participates as a state party both to the Convention and the Paris Agreement. Also in this speech, he said there is a moral obligation to act together to stem climate change. The human face of the climate emergency challenges us deeply. We have a moral duty to act concretely in order to prevent and respond to the always more frequent and severe humanitarian impacts caused by climate change. COP27 provides us with a further opportunity which cannot be wasted. The Cardinal also said that it was important for individual and collective conversion to the papal agenda for climate change. Mr. President, the socio-ecological crisis that we are living is a propitious moment for individual and collective conversion and for concrete decisions that can no longer be postponed. The cardinal concluded his speech by mentioning the common good. By acceding to the convention in the Paris Agreement, the Holy See is even more committed to moving forward on this journey together for the common good of humanity and especially on behalf of our youth who are looking to us to care for the for present and future generations. Friends, this is Popery speaking, and she has for a long time been at the head of these climate meetings even though she lets other people run them. You can be sure she guides them along the way. Revelation 18.7 says, For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Rome is in control. The world has come under the grip of Rome. Notice the emphasis on conversion, both individual and collective. Collective is referring to the common good. But, of course, the Pope wants individual conversion as well to support this issue. And Satan is no less interested in individual conversion to his plans. Notice also the Cardinal's emphasis on youth. This ties in with the Roman Catholic World Youth Day, which is coming very soon. The Pope also wants to mobilize youth – to promote his climate agenda. But notice this statement from Great Controversy, page 581. God's word has given warning of the impending danger. Let this be unheeded, and the Protestant world will learn what the purposes of Rome really are, only when it is too late to escape the snare. She is silently growing into power, Her doctrines are exerting their influence in legislative halls, in the churches, and in the hearts of men. She is piling up her lofty and massive structures in the secret recesses of which her former persecutions will be repeated. Stealthily and unsuspectedly, she is strengthening her forces to further her own ends when the time shall come for her to strike. All that she desires is vantage ground, and this is already being given her. We shall soon see and shall feel what the purpose of the Roman element is. Whoever shall believe and obey the word of God will thereby incur reproach and persecution. Rome is not referring to conversion to Christ. She is referring to conversion to her climate agenda. And why is the papacy pushing this agenda? It is because they want to impose a Sunday law for the climate. Deep down underneath, all their agenda is about Sunday worship. It takes various disguises to veil the real agenda. But if Rome is going to control the world and do it completely, she has to also ultimately and publicly promote worship. Sunday worship has been her agenda for a long time, in fact, for 2,000 years. But Rome is actually going to promote Sunday worship for the sake of the climate. In the lead-up to COP 15, Cardinal Turkson gave a speech in which he highlighted that humans have the responsibility to take care of nature. He explained that This comes from the book of Genesis. When at creation, God charged Adam to till and keep the garden. He said, To till was to make the earth productive, while to keep was to ensure that the earth maintains its productive qualities and traits to support life all the time. This imperative of care extends to the teaching about resting on the sabbath which is for human beings also to preserve creation sabbath has a sense of liberation and respite rest to any system that is oppressed and lives in bondage he also highlighted that the word used in the book of genesis to describe keeping the garden is the same word used to describe the relationship between Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 9 and 10 says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And Cardinal Turkson explained, our relationship toward creation is similar and comparable to our our relationship as human beings, one towards the other. It is the relationship of fraternity and brotherhood. Then he added and called for a change of mentality. We are collectively called to undergo ecological conversion, moving from a desire to control and dominate to a desire to safeguard and protect. So the papal arguments have been honed and refined and they have been set out before the world. And they are bearing fruit. Rome is going to get her way. She is going to sit as queen of the world. And protecting the climate is a global issue. Anyone who does not comply with her will will be persecuted and restricted from society, censored and canceled. Rome will not do this from the top down. She will do it by using society to enforce it through collectivism or by social pressure for the common good. She will get society promoting the common good, which is to give up some rights for the greater good of society, and they will remove the rights of those who keep the Sabbath and refuse to worship on Sunday especially. That's the goal and the reason for all this discussion and unity. It has been very expensive to do, and those who obey the law of God will be set against the common good. So society will enact a Sunday law through the legislative bodies of the nations, which she will encourage through her stealthy programs and behavior. She is already doing that. At COP27, a new book was launched called Faith Voices for Ecocide Law. In this book, they were giving world leaders the legal methods and means to imprison, persecute and otherwise prosecute those who individually damage or destroy the environment. This is what the editor Pella Thiel from End Ecocide Sweden said. Protection of nature at the highest level is urgent for the transition to a sustainable society. Faith traditions carry the hope that we can agree to this fundamental piece of legislation in time. This book is a very engaging collection of voices, and we hope it will be a useful resource for faith communities and others to explore different perspectives and to unite in action and support for ecocide law. Listen to this concept in the New Environmental Ecocide book. Ecocide means unlawful or wanton acts committed with knowledge that there is a substantial likelihood of severe and either widespread or long-term damage to the environment being caused by those acts. The book proclaims, we can be healers. We need new rules to abide by. Together we strive to end ecocide and heal the earth. We are temples, churches, pagodas, mosques, synagogues, cathedrals, and sacred sites all around the world with faith, hope, and love and care for our common future. The book also promotes nature worship, reverence for the earth and its profound ecological processes. There is no separation between a lake or the sea and us. We are also water. The water is the river of life. It is where we grow and are cradled to this world. There is no other way than to protect Mother Earth. She is carrying us and feeding us, and there will be generations coming after us. We have to take responsibility for them. One author wrote, To me, ecocide is suicide. Ecocide is genocide. When we hurt the planet, we hurt ourselves. We hurt our coming generations. The book is a collection of authors from various faith traditions, including Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, and indigenous peoples. So you can see where this is headed. The book places nature on an equality with humanity. Let's read what it says. Nature or the environment is not something out there separate from us. We are nature. We are the environment. Instead, we should be looking at the natural world not as resources to be conserved and husbanded, but as having rights of its own, its own integrity, independent of human needs. A new life of humility gives room to more voices than my own, to release the song of praise that is hidden in all that exists, makes me a part of the choir of creation in the song of praise of all creation, from whales to hummingbirds, from grass to oak trees, from bees to eagles, from children, men, and women. Our ancients, who read the stars and traveled across our mighty ocean in their giant canoes, millennia before European discovery and conquest, considered themselves part of the ecosystem, not above it. In actuality, what this does is that it lowers humanity to a lesser priority than nature and elevates nature to a higher place than man. While there is interdependence of life, placing too much emphasis on elevating nature creates a fulfillment of prophecy in the scripture which says, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That's Romans one twenty five. That's why the people received the Climate Justice Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai during Cope 27. They wanted to symbolize that the protection of the environment is as important as the Ten Commandments. Now notice who will be prosecuted for crimes against the environment. Listen to the World Economic Forum statement from several years ago. This would create an arrestable offense for anyone committing ecocide and would make individuals responsible for acts or decisions that cause severe damage to the environment liable for criminal prosecution. are setting a trap, first to make an example of those who wantonly damage the environment, and they will certainly find some to fall into it. Secondly, if Bible Sabbath-keeping can be construed to include destruction of the environment, a Sabbath-keeper could be prosecuted for breaking this ecocide law. This is the ultimate goal, or target, the real target of Satan's environmental policy. It will be easy to justify breaking the Sunday Law as ecocide. When the Sunday Law is enacted, it will eventually be a universal law. When Bible Sabbath keepers are seen to break the Sunday Law because of their convictions, while the huge natural calamities continue, And get worse, it will be easy to pin the destruction of the environment as a crime on Sabbath keepers. Here is a statement from Great Controversy, page 614, that shows us that this will really happen. Those who honor the law of God have been accused of bringing judgments upon the world and they will be regarded as the cause of the fearful convulsions of nature and the strife and bloodshed among men that are filling the earth with woe. The power attending the last message has enraged the wicked. Their anger is kindled against all who have received the message, and Satan will excite to still greater intensity the spirit of hatred and persecution. As the Sabbath has become the special point of controversy throughout Christendom, the religious and secular authorities have combined to enforce the observance of the Sunday. The persistent refusal of a small minority to yield to the popular demand will make them objects of universal execration. It will be urged that the few who stand in opposition to an institution of the church and a law of the state ought not to be tolerated, that it is better for them to suffer than for whole nations to be thrown into confusion and lawlessness. The same argument many centuries ago was brought against Christ by the rulers of the people. It is expedient for us, said the wider Caiaphas, That one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. This argument will appear conclusive, and a decree will finally be issued against those who hallow the Sabbath of the fourth commandment, denouncing them as deserving of the severest punishment and giving the people liberty after a certain time to put them to death. Romanism in the Old World and apostate Protestantism in the New will pursue a similar course toward those who honor all the divine precepts. Listen to this from the same book, page 604. Fearful is the issue to which the world is to be brought. The powers of earth, uniting to war against the commandments of God, will Decree that all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, shall conform to the customs of the church by the observance of the false Sabbath. All who refuse compliance will be visited with civil penalties, and it will finally be declared that they are deserving of death. On the other hand, the law of God enjoining the Creator's rest day demands obedience, and threatens wrath against all who transgress its precepts. In Laudato Si', Pope Francis made a statement that brings this all together. He said in point 286, Christians, in respect of religious freedom and of the common good of all, should seek to have Sundays and the Church's holy days recognized as legal holidays friends, we are right at the end of time. There is no time to lose. You must get your life in harmony with heaven and with heaven's laws if you want to escape the destruction that is coming on the world. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we are living in very serious times. Satan is now making his moves stealthily, imperceptibly to most people. Please, Help us to remain awake and vigilant in light of what we have learned today. You're about to allow your people to be fully dependent on you. And while it's thrilling, it's also a fearful time. So please stand by our side. Guide us and give us a way to navigate the future so that we can be with you forever in heaven after the crisis is over. And thank you and praise you for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is called His Eye is on the Sparrow, sung by Jennifer Buttery. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Seekers of Your Heart. If you would like a copy of the CD just send $16 postpaid, and we will gladly send you one. International listeners should send $20 USD. Be sure to mention the Seekers of Your Heart CD. The following is our Prophetic Intelligence Briefing, a feature that brings you current events in light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times, telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord. May the Lord find us faithful.
1: Our first item this month. Census. Christians, a minority in England, non-religious grow. Fewer than half the people in England and Wales consider themselves Christian, according to the most recent census. The first time a minority of the population has followed the country's official religion. Britain has become less religious and less white. In the decade since the last census, figures from the 2021 census released Tuesday by the Office for National Statistics revealed, some 46.2% of the population of England and Wales described themselves as Christian on the day of the 2021 census, down from 59.3% a decade earlier. The Muslim population grew from 4.9% to 6.5% of the total, while 1.7% identified as Hindu, up from 1.5%. More than 1 in 3 people, 37%, said they had no religion, up from 25% in 2011. The other parts of the UK, Scotland and Northern Ireland report their census results separately Secularism campaigners said the shift should trigger a rethink of the way religion is entrenched in British society. The UK has state-funded Church of England schools, Anglican bishops sit in Parliament's upper chamber, and the monarch is defender of the faith and supreme governor of the church. Andrew Copson, chief executive of the charity Humanist UK, said, quote, the dramatic growth of the non-religious had made the UK almost certainly one of the least religious countries on earth. One of the most striking things about these results is how at odds the population is from the state itself, he said. No state in Europe has such a religious setup as we do in terms of law and public policy, while at the same time having such a non-religious population. Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, one of the most senior clerics in the Church of England, said the data was, quote, "...not a great surprise, but was a challenge to Christians to work harder to promote their faith." We have left behind the era when many people almost automatically identified as Christian, but other surveys consistently show how the same people still seek spiritual truth and wisdom and a set of values to live by, he said. Almost 82% of people in England and Wales identified as white in the census down from 86% in 2011, some 9% said they were Asian, 4% black, and 3% from mixed or multiple ethnic backgrounds, while 2% identified with another ethnic group. Quote, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Matthew 24, 12. Next, deceptive. Franklin Graham warns Christians about Respect for Marriage Act ahead of Senate vote. Evangelist Franklin Graham is warning Christians that the so-called Respect for Marriage Act which is set to be voted on by the Senate Monday is a deceptive smokescreen that would change the definition of marriage as between a man and a woman while not protecting those who hold a traditional view of marriage. The Respect for Marriage Act could impact you, your family, your church and our nation. Graham wrote on Facebook during the weekend. The name is a smokescreen, very deceptive. He compared it to the Democrats' so-called Inflation Reduction Act that did nothing but increase inflation and further hurt our economy. Quote, The current version of the Respect for Marriage Act being pushed by Senator Chuck Schumer is designed to provide strong protections for same-sex marriage. But it fails to protect those of us who believe marriage is between a man and a woman, explained Graham, who heads the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse. It is dangerous legislation that would be used against individuals, churches, and organizations who honor traditional marriage. The bill to enshrine the right to same-sex marriage into federal law cleared a major procedural hurdle in the Senate earlier this month with critics saying that a religious freedom amendment added to the legislation doesn't adequately protect those with deeply held beliefs that marriage is between one man and one woman. Graham said Republican Senator Mike Lee's proposed amendment can improve the legislation and bring critically needed protection for religious liberty and rights of conscience. The measure would codify the 2015 U.S. Supreme Court decision Obergefell v. Hodges, which established a right to same-sex marriage, into federal law, and formally repeal the unenforced Defense of Marriage Act, which defines marriage as a union between one man and one woman at the federal level. Graham urged Christians to call their senators as soon as possible and ask them to vote yes for the Lee Amendment or to vote no to the Respect for Marriage Act If it doesn't have this amendment, he warned time is short. Freedom loving people have to take action before it's too late. The Respect for Marriage Act previously passed the Democrat controlled U.S. House of Representatives in July with the support of all Democrats and 47 House Republicans. In a recent op-ed for the Christian Post, Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council, also warned that the bill Quote, opens the door to American persecution. As the mainstream culture moves further and further away from a Christian worldview, I've witnessed the hostility to moral truth creep closer to our shores, he wrote. The West, once the safe haven of free speech and religion, is turning cold to the foundations that made our countries thrive. The Antediluvians had redefined marriage. The sins that called for vengeance upon the antediluvian world exist today. The fear of God is banished from the hearts of men, and His law is treated with indifference and contempt. The intense worldliness of that generation is equaled by that of the generation now living, said Christ. As in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It was lawful for them to marry. Marriage was in God's order. It was one of the first institutions which He established. He gave special directions concerning this ordinance, clothing it with sanctity and beauty. But these directions were forgotten, and marriage was perverted and made to minister to passion. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 101. Next, Pope anoints Noel Triner as Apostolic Nuncio to EU. Pope Francis on Saturday appointed the Most Reverend Noel Triner as Apostolic Nuncio to the European Union. A statement released by the Holy See Press Office said the Pope also elevated the Irish Bishop of Down and Connor to the rank of Archbishop. Curriculum Archbishop Triner was born on 25 December 1950 in Siverstream, Ireland. He studied art and philosophy, then turned towards theology and completed his licentiate. On 13 June 1976, he was ordained a priest and incarnated in the Diocese of Clover. On 29 June 2008, he was consecrated a bishop for the Diocese of Down and Connor. From 1993 to 2008, he served as General Secretary of the Commission of the Bishops, Conferences of the European Union, COMECE, with headquarters in Brussels. Archbishop Triner is a delegate of the Irish Bishops' Conference to C-O-M-E-C-E since 2009. He speaks English, French, German, Italian, and Spanish. Quote, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Revelation 13.3 Next, Gallagher, Peace can be attained only through dialogue at all costs. War can be prevented by promoting social progress for the new generations, Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher has said. The Vatican Secretary for Relations with States and International Organizations highlighted this point on Wednesday at the opening of the 98th Assembly of the Union of Superiors General, USG, taking place at the Fraterna Domus of Sacrofano near Rome, until November 25. The USG Assembly. The three-day assembly is discussing the theme Fratelli Tutti, called to be artisans of peace, drawn from paragraph 225 of the Encyclical on Human Fraternity in which Pope Francis says that, quote, in many parts of the world there is a need for paths of peace to heal open wounds, emphasizing that there is also a need for peacemakers, men, and women prepared to work boldly and creatively to initiate processes of healing and renewed encounter. The meeting is focusing on the Church's commitment to promote peace in the world and in particular on the USG and UISG's International Union of Women Superiors General, common commitment to peace, justice, and integrity of creation, in particular through their training programs for consecrated men and women. Ensuring peace implies the total rejection of war and dialogue. In his opening remarks, Archbishop Gallagher insisted that the Church cannot but be committed to peace. He noted that Pope St. Paul VI's emphasis on dialogue as the only means to attain peace is still expressed incessantly today by Pope Francis who has referred to the current global geopolitical situation including the ongoing war in Ukraine as a third world war. Peace is not the simple absence of conflicts. According to the secretary for relations with states and international organizations, ensuring peace implies first of all the total rejection of war and seeking dialogue at any cost helping to create a climate of growing trust that guarantees the path towards a future. Likewise, it is necessary to ensure the foundations of peace, which he remarked is not only the absence of conflicts, but the peaceful resolution of disputes between nations, with a view to safeguarding the human rights, including the right to freedom of conscience and religion. The USG Assembly will conclude on Saturday with a meeting in the Vatican with Pope Francis the union of superiors general the union of superiors general usg is an international organization of superiors general of men's religious institutes or societies of apostolic life of pontifical right since 1952 when the superiors general first met it has been an international forum where they share experiences exchange information and accompany each other in their service the purpose of the usg is to promote the life and mission of the individual institutes at the service of the church for a more effective collaboration among them and for a more fruitful contact with the holy see and the hierarchy quote and through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Daniel 8.25 Next, Solomon Islands earthquake, tsunami warning issued following 7.3 magnitude tremor. The earthquake measured a magnitude of 7.3 on the Richter scale, which is classified as a major event and can cause damage to buildings which may collapse. With a quake of such magnitude, the effects may be felt up to 155 miles away from the epicenter. The epicenter has been identified in the Solomon Sea, 58 kilometers, 36 miles, southwest of Honiarum, Solomon Islands. With a depth reported by volcano discovery of up to 10 kilometers, 6.2 miles, severe shaking was experienced at the epicenter. Following the tremor, U.S. Tsunami Warning System has warned of a potential tsunami threat at the Solomon Islands. The tsunami warning was issued at 2.10 a.m. UTC. The warning said that hazardous tsunami waves are possible for coast within 300 kilometers of the quake epicenter. According to SBS News, the Met Service for the Solomon Islands has since removed the tsunami warning. While it is thought that there are now no tsunami threats, it is warned that there will be unusual sea currents following the earthquake. Residents of the Solomon Islands have been urged to move to higher ground by the office of the Prime Minister. However, the office of the Prime Minister noted that there has been no severe damage to buildings in Honiara, the capital. The quake near Malango saw people report severe and violent shaking which knocked televisions and other household items onto the ground. A spokesperson from the Prime Minister said, quote, people are advised to move to higher ground now. Office tables and computers were thrown all over. It was very scary. Journalist Charlie Peringi was standing outside a warehouse near a primary school on the outskirts of Oniara when the earthquake hit. He said, quote, The earthquake rocked the place. It was a huge one. We were all shocked and everyone is running everywhere. The earthquake also saw power outages in some areas of the region and caused people to rush out of their offices to seek higher ground. Quote, the use which men have made of their capabilities by misusing and abusing their God-given talents has brought confusion into the world. They have left the guardianship of Christ for the guardianship of the great rebel, the prince of darkness. Man alone is accountable for the strange fire which has been mingled with the sacred. The accumulation of many things which minister to lust and ambition has brought upon the world the judgment of God. When in difficulty philosophers and the great men of earth desire to satisfy their minds without appealing to God, They ventilate their philosophy in regard to the heavens and the earth, accounting for plagues, pestilence, epidemics, earthquakes, and famines by their supposed science. Hundreds of questions relating to creation and providence they will attempt to solve by saying, this is a law of nature. Final Events, page 409.
0: Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember, there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in
2: His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.